Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meeting weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. Ready for that? The kids are off. They're in their program. They are just loving Jesus right now. We have all your attention, right? All right, very good. Well, I just, uh, you know, you know, as we as we think about this season, this is the Advent season, and uh, our series uh, has started last week with the the songs of Advent, and today is part two in our series. We're looking at Zachariah's song, and we're going to look in the book of Luke in just a few moments. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go to Luke chapter 1, and we'll look at this song in just a moment. But I want you to just think about this for a minute. As we think about, you know, this Christmas time, I get into those, you know, I don't know if you're like this, but you start thinking about, you know, all, you do all the Christmassy things, Right. Yeah, and so one of the things we do in our home is we, we watch some Christmas movies. You know, have you, you know, anybody can relate to that? Yeah, we get into some of those. And, uh, and, and I haven't been a big fan of this one. I remember hearing this, uh, this movie for years, and I really never had, had watched it. And it was, uh, uh, it, It's a Wonderful Life. You remember that? You know, that's, that, anybody watch that movie, It's a Wonderful Life? If you haven't watched it, you know, God bless you. It's okay. Uh, we'll walk through it today here to, in just a moment. But, uh, you know, many years I heard about this movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and never really was interested in it. And then I, and I watched it one time, and I thought, ooh, really? Is this the story? And if you haven't seen it, I'm, I'm not going to get, you know, spoiler alert here today. But it's, there's a scene where the main character, George, George Bailey, he's standing in the snow without a a coat on, and he's on the, on the edge of a bridge, ready to just pack it in, just end it all. Welcome to church today, everybody, we're going to talk about. But there he is, it's this horrible scene, and, and it's, 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 it's just desperate. Seems like a man without hope is thinking of packing it all in, giving up on life. Life hadn't quite turned out the way George had designed it. Things were fantastic. Things were going well at one point. And he's, he's ready to just pack it all in. He was, he was against the wall. And there seemed to be no way out. And the story of George Bailey reminds me that Christmas comes at a time of year without question for someone. Somewhere out there is maybe up against a seemingly impossible situation with no way out. It doesn't seem like there's a way out of your scenario. I want to acknowledge that just for a moment today. When all the jingle bells are happening, when all the eggnog is being passed, when all of the joy and the cheer of the day, there seems to be for some people, Maybe you in this place today, seems like there is just no way out 
of the situation you're faced with. Maybe this year it's you. Maybe it's someone else you know and love and you care for. Maybe you're feeling like things are just a bit too much. It's too crazy. It's too much to handle. Nobody understands your situation. And you want relief in the middle of the storm. And this is supposed to be a wonderful life? You ask yourself that question. I want us today to look at the scripture. I want us today to look at this impossible situation that we read about in the book of Luke, in Zach, where Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth are, are both discouraged because of their situation. And so as we read this story, as we look back in history, the story of the angel's visit to Zechariah, it's important today to know that in the middle of difficult times, in the middle of hard situations, that things can look glim and bleak. But I want you to know today, even though that culture was different than we are facing today, that God's character never changes. The angel says this in Luke 1.13, Do not be afraid. Whenever the angel says that, you're probably going, oh, I'm afraid. So the angel's reminding you, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. I want you to know today, there is always hope. There's always hope in the middle of what seems like an impossible situation. In the angel's message to Zechariah, we find two rays of hope that I want to look at today. And the first one is this, that we can count on God when we face impossible personal situations. You can find the hope of the Lord today when there's something you're going through personally Seems impossible. There's hope today. I want you to know this, that God will take your shame. Zechariah and Elizabeth were facing this impossible situation of being childless late in life. To be childless in those days, it often brought a lot of shame and a, a lot of sorrow in a couple's lives. And maybe... You're here today feeling the same thing. Some Jews at that time did not believe in, in the bodily resurrection. So their hope of immortality was in their children. All they had was my kids. If I have kids, I'm good. If I don't have kids, uh-oh. My life is useless. It's worthless. So to be childless in those days, it often brought some sorrow. It often brought some shame in a couple's lives, and some Jews at the time just didn't, they didn't believe in this kind of thing, in the bodily resurrection. And so in addition, children cared for their parents into their old age and, and added to the, the family's financial security and their social status. Children were considered a blessing, and they are today still. Let me remind you of that, parents who are going through something. They are a blessing. And childlessness was seen as a curse. And you read this in verse 25. 
Elizabeth even called her childlessness a disgrace among the people. The fact that she didn't have a child was to be seen as a disgrace. Some surely would have thought that their lack of an heir was, was a result of their sin. You know, there must be something that you have done that God knows about. And that's why you have no child. There's some sin in your life. But Luke shows us that this wasn't the case at all. Both of them were upright in the sight of God. They were good people. Observing all of the Lord's commands. All his commandments and, and the regulations blamelessly. They had done nothing wrong in the sight of God. These, these two righteous people have, have lived with this deep disappointment in their lives. Of never having a child that they had longed for. And now they're well along in years. They're, they're past that point where, okay, you, seriously, you're going to have a kid? You, you know what I'm talking about? They're, they were in those years, past the age of being able to have children, humiliated and hopeless. And people are talking now about Zachariah and, and his wife Elizabeth being, you know, they're nice people. But there must be some sin in their lives. And they're wondering. Who's going to take care of them when they get old? So there's some shame in this situation. Maybe you're feeling some shame in your life today. The second thing we notice from this is that God moves in the unexpected. I want you to catch this today. That God uses this, this moment in Zechariah's career as a priest. He is a priest. That's his, his career. That's his calling. And God uses this unexpected moment to make his move as, as one priest in nearly 20,000 priests of that time, Jewish priest Zechariah served in the temple in Jerusalem for, for two one-week periods. That's kind of how it functioned. That would be kind of nice if I just showed up for church one, one week a year. That was it. That was my job. It's not, that's that's kind of how they did things back then. One priest could could offer the incense in the temple uh, only once in his lifetime. And so today was Zechariah's day. Today was the day that we read in the scripture in verses 9 and 10 that he offers the sacrifice. And the smoke of the incense symbolized that there was uh, prayers that were going to heaven. And people were praying. Zechariah was undoubtedly praying here in this moment in the temple, all by himself, before God that he had faithfully served, but now whom he had wondered, have I offended in some way? What did I do? God, I, you know my heart. You know my prayers. You know what I've been seeking, and nothing. Are you still there? I want you to know God moves in the unexpected. And God also, you need to get this today, that his timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. The angel Gabriel shows up with this super important message. Gabriel's first words in, in verse 13 are like a breath of fresh air. Do not be afraid, he says. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Maybe someone needs to hear that today. Do not be afraid that your prayer has been heard. 
There would be a child in the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth after all. God stepped in. He steps in what seems to be late in the game, but God steps in and brought hope and brings life and brings hope when there seems to be no hope at all. Hope for Zechariah, hope for Elizabeth, hope after all these years. God wants to bring you hope today. God gave hope when there seemed to be no way out. Um, you know, as I think about this Christmas time, I think about movies. I, I remember this movie in 1981. Maybe some of you know this. You're a movie uh, freak here. There's a, a movie, an action movie called the Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. How many Indiana Jones? You don't, you don't care. You just don't care. Okay, we got a few Indiana Jones fans. But there is Indiana Jones, and he's trapped by snakes. Okay, that, that's just a horror movie right there. I'm not a horror movie person, but that is just like a fear. That is something I would not want to be trapped by. He's trapped by snakes on all sides. And then he looks up. There's only one way out. Psalm 121.1 says this. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I want you to know today, I want you to hear this. If there's an impossible situation that you're facing today, it, it's, it, it seems so impossible. I want you to look up. Because God has some hope for you today. Does anything in your life seem hopeless to you at all? Any seemingly small or large thing that you're facing today seem impossible. Faced with an impossible situation at work. Oh, come on, folks. I mean, our economy is, is struggling in some senses right now. Maybe you're faced with a challenge at work. You can't seem to find work. They've laid you off, and it's difficult. It seems impossible today. You're up in an impossible situation today in your relationship. You can't seem to understand why this is happening to you. I thought we loved each other. I thought we made a commitment to each other. And now this, this is impossible. This is my back up against the wall. This is me and snakes all around me. It seems like I, there is no way out. Burdened by an impossible situation, maybe in your family. I don't get it. I don't understand why this is taking place. I don't understand why my kids are just not serving Jesus. I don't understand why they've chosen another way. I don't understand how they think or act or behave. I don't get it. It seems impossible. Maybe your finances are struggling. Seems like you've done all the right things. And yet, when you look at the paper, and you look at your pockets, there's nothing. Seems like you're empty, and you've done everything you possibly can. And you're faced up against the wall. Snakes are all around you. I want you to know something. That God specializes in hopeless cases. Maybe this is not something I want to share today, but I remember as a, as a kid, as a teenager. You know, teenagers say a lot of silly things. And so I'm not going to offer this as something you should say. But I remember growing up, and, and they would say that it was like a mean thing. And they said, you're such a hopeless case. And, like, we would say this all the time. Can I say this to you today? You're a hopeless case. Wow, encouraging. 
The pastor is so encouraging today. What I mean by this, when he deals with hopeless cases, where it seems like there's nothing more that you can do in your own strength, I'm saying today that God will take your hopeless case, what seems like a hopeless, impossible, no good situation, and he will turn it around and glorify himself in the middle of your hopelessness. Are you hearing me today? He's the expert of taking the impossible, hopeless cases and turning them around into possible situations. He takes what looks like a dead-end road and creates something new. He creates a new path. He creates a way out where there seems to be no way out. That's the God that I serve today. That's the God I pray that you are seeking. That's the God I pray that you are starting to understand who he is and what he can do in your situation. I want you to catch this. The God's character never changes. The same God who brought a child to a hopeless elderly couple is the same God, is still God today in your situation. He specializes in hopeless cases. Now, I hope you don't go home and look in the mirror and go, my pastor said I'm a hopeless case. Hear what I'm saying today. Because how many days do you wake up and you look in the mirror and you go, I don't know how I can do this. And you're absolutely right. In your own strength, you can't. There is nothing more you can do. There's no more education that you can attain. There's no more amount of wealth that you can do to, to ensure how awesome you are. You're awesome because God says you're awesome. You're awesome because he's designed you and he's put a purpose in your heart and your life. And if today you're not experiencing that, you have an opportunity to get to know him and to walk with him and to trust him. And Maybe you know him today. And you walk with him and you trust him, but it seems like there are some boundaries and there are obstacles that I'm facing and I can't seem to get through it. God never changes. His character never changes. Your prayers have been heard this morning. That's an encouraging thing for all of us. He wants to breathe hope into you, into the, st into the stale air that you're, you're breathing in today, the seemingly impossible situations in your life. So look up. Don't look at your situation. Don't look at the impossibility. Look up and see what God is providing for you. The message of hope from Gabriel doesn't end with this news of Zechariah and Elizabeth. The message of hope is not just personal, but it's for everyone. It's for everyone today. We can count on God to fix an impossible situation for humanity. Oh, come on. Like, look around you. Turn the news on for any, any minute of time. And you will see the impossible situation of humanity and it's discouraging and it's, it's unbelievable that the things that we see and we watch and we hear and we read on the news. But I want you to know this, that God has a plan. God has an absolute plan for this. When Zechariah is in the temple, God begins in a fresh way to, to redeem humanity. He reveals that he's, he's sending a forerunner. Of the one who will take away the sin of the world. 
He's sending someone ahead of the Savior of the world. He's preparing a way for humanity. He's got a plan. And it seems like at times we just wonder, what God, what is your plan? Let us know because this seems like impossible. You see, all the assembled worshipers who were, who were praying outside, in verse 10, couldn't keep the law perfectly. They were in a hopeless situation of, of attempting to be 100% righteous, but thoroughly unable to accomplish his goal. Humanity was in a hopeless situation. So God has a plan, and then he begins to reveal his plan. I like this. The angel's message to Zechariah was that his son, John, was to play a special role in the unfolding of, of God's eternal plan in Luke verses 17. He will go before the Lord, the Bible says. The Lord himself is coming. In the spirit and in the power of Elijah, God's last recorded words are found in Malachi verses, uh, chapter 4, 6, promise the, the, the return of the prophet Elijah. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and, and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. To turn their hearts here is referring to, to John's gospel. Is referring to John's message of repentance. God is sending someone who is going to help in this repentance, turning their hearts towards the Savior. Repent, for the kingdom is near, is what we hear. A people prepared for the Lord. If God is to lead his people, they must be ready to respond. And Zechariah understood that after all these years, God's time to send the Redeemer was now at hand. It was time. One who would forgive people of their sins and relieve them from the impossible burden of having to be perfect and acceptable. I am so thankful for that. I am so thankful that God sent his son to relieve me from being perfect and acceptable. Do I have a, another show of hands here? You're thankful for that today. Zachariah was praying, probably not, not just to end his own shame, but also for the restoration of Israel. As were the people outside of the temple. And the angel says, people, your prayers have been heard. Imagine the scene in Egypt some years before this, where the Israelites are held captive by the Egyptians. Israelite slaves are being whipped and beaten by their Egyptian captors. And God hears the cries of his people and brought them out of an impossible situation with no hope in Egypt. And years later, God would step into history and bring humanity out of the most impossible situation, being captive to sin and, and lead them to freedom through Jesus Christ. But his plan's not done. Even the Israelites wandered for 40 years in the wilderness before entering into the promised land. And though free, were waiting a time 
where he's taking us into the promised land of heaven. It may seem today like it's been a long time for you. It may seem like it's been a difficult, long time in an impossible situation. It may seem as in this situation, it's a long time in history to reveal the progress that he's making his plan. Even Zechariah asked, how can I be sure? Well, the answer is just be quiet and see. How can you be sure God's got a plan? How can you be sure he's going to come through? Just be quiet and see. I think if we walk in that understanding today, I was reminded this morning in our pre-service prayer time with our team, those who are serving here faithfully on every Sunday, we, we join together in prayer. We're talking about peace. We're talking about hearing the voice of the Lord in the, in, the, in the noise of the day. And I want you to be reminded today that God doesn't speak louder than the noise we're facing. He doesn't compete with anything else. He's above everything else. God wants you to quiet yourself to hear his voice. That's what this time is about. That's what peace is about. To stop the noise. Stop engaging in the chaos and the combustion of the day. And to quiet yourself to focus and hear the voice of the Lord for your life today. The same God, the same God who waited almost 1,500 years between the exodus and the birth of Jesus Christ still has a plan. He still has a plan. What's the plan he has for you today? I want you to know your prayers have been heard. It may seem like, oh, come on, God, I've been praying banging my head against the wall. I've been praying the same thing over and over. I see no result. I hear nothing. Don't give up. Paul says the fulfillment of God's plan will take place in 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. The dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet their Lord in the air. Listen, we can count on God to fix an impossible situation for humanity. We can count on God to fix this impossible situation that we're facing. God has provided a way out. He has breathed hope. He has breathed life into the stale air of our existence. You know, if you've ever forgotten something, that can be kind of, you know, discouraging at times. Uh, I was thinking about this. I can remember when I was younger being forgotten one time. It's such a discouraging thing. There I was in church with our family, and church was great. We left, you know, you know, you know after church is like a group of people who want to chat with it. You want to get to know people. You want to find out who they are, chat. And I was chit-chatting with some people. Next thing I know, my parents are gone. I'm like, where are my parents? Why did they leave me at church? Don't they know I'm in the Lord's house? Do they not care about me? And we did this just a couple weeks ago to one of our kids. So I was just thinking about this. It happens. It just gets passed on from generation to generation. 
The first time this happened was really sad. But it happened again and again. Like, what is wrong with your parents? I thought you loved me. I mean, they, they, they've forgotten me. How could they? They didn't notice that I was not in the car with them. What's wrong with my parents? I heard about this other story as I was reading, as I was studying. Story of this comedian, Jack Benny, old timer. When he was a young man, he saw this woman that he really was interested in. He's at work and he's attracted to this lady and he was kind of uh, afraid to approach her. And so he started this anonymous sending her one rose every day. Men, take note. Single guys, take note. Finally, the woman became overcome with curiosity. And she calls the florist to find out the name of the person. And they, you know, they're on the phone. And so she, she calls, and they, t they told her who it was. And so she calls Jack Benny and said, why are you sending me these roses? And he said, well, uh, would you like to go out with me? Hey, it's a pretty good way to do this. So they went out together. And all the while, he kept sending her roses every day. As they continued to day, he proposed to her. And the flowers kept coming during the engagement. Finally, they get married. The flowers continued on a daily basis throughout the honeymoon. I mean, this guy is good. And every day for the first year, awesome. And every day the second year, pretty amazing. Until the 10th year and so on. She gets flowers every day day of her life. Finally, after many years of marriage, Jack Benny dies. But his widow continued to receive a flower every day. After several days of this, she decides to call the florist. And maybe you haven't realized this. And I hate to tell you that my husband, Jack Benny, has passed away like a couple of weeks ago. So you no longer need to send me a rose every day. And the florist said this. Oh, no, you, you don't understand. Prior to your death, your husband made provision for you to receive a red rose every day for the rest of your life. Oh, guys. He wanted to know, wanted her to know that she was never forgotten. Never forgotten. God, he's not dead. He is very much alive. And he's very much concerned about you. He cares about you deeply. I know sometimes you don't feel that. Well, don't go on what you feel. Because that never works. God loves you. He's concerned about you. You are never forgotten. He's constantly sending you roses of hope. He's, he's breathing the fragrant, flowery aroma of hope into the stale air that you feel of the impossible situation that you're facing today. Impossible situations like the beginning. We talked about George Bailey. 
impossible situation like yours and mine where we just can't seem to understand what's going on. And we can receive this hope today. This hope if we're willing to look up and say, Dear God, dear Father in heaven, please help. I want us to look at this scripture as we close today. Let's take a look at Zechariah's song, Luke 1, 67 to 80. It says this, His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. As he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. The message that Zechariah heard from God is for us as well. Don't be afraid. I haven't forgotten you. Your prayers have been heard. Let's pray. All, this, all across this place, let's just bow our heads in prayer today. The hopes of the world, the wrapped up in the swaddling clothes of the one who was placed in the manger in Bethlehem. The God who lived a while among us and said before he was taken into heaven, I am with you always to the very end of the age. The God who said to all who feel hopeless today, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you is the God who's with you right here and right now. So God, I just pray for every individual in this room. I pray that no matter what the circumstances are that they're facing, no matter what it seems impossible in their lives, that the God of hope, the God of life, would breathe into their stale air of, of life right now. Breathe hope into them, dear Jesus. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I want to ask this question, and maybe you're here today and you say, I need Jesus. I want to know who he is. I want to walk with him. Maybe I've come to church for some years, but I've, I've fallen away from him. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to know him like you know him. I want to get to know him more. 
and you're here today saying, I want to make a commitment to serve Jesus. Nothing magical happens in this moment, but really it's, it's how John came, and he came to, to turn hearts towards Jesus, the Savior, to repent. Maybe you're here and you're going through some things, and you just recognize, I need to turn from the ways I'm doing things now. I need to turn in my life and, and turn my eyes and fix upon Jesus, not look at my surrounding, not looking at the snakes around me, not looking at the impossible situation, but today is my day. And Jesus is saying to you, do you want to serve me? Whom will you serve? Trust me. Walk with me. I've got a plan. I've got a future for you. And you're here today and you're saying, I want to make a decision to serve Jesus for the very first time. I've never made that decision. That's you. In just three seconds, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up and put it back down. If that's you today, go ahead. Just lift your hand and say, yeah. Would you pray for me? Thank you so much. Thanks for your honesty. All across this room. I want to just pray for you. Everybody pray this prayer out loud today. For the person on the left and right, maybe they're, they're genuine today. And if you're genuine and you mean this, just say these words. It's not a magic prayer, but it's a prayer from your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for the life I can have in you. I turn away from the things I've been doing. And I turn to you, Lord Jesus. I ask you to come into my life. Help me live the way you want me to live. I walk away from my past. And I run to you, Lord Jesus. I receive you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give God praise in this house? We just thank him. If you said that prayer today, Simply, we want to walk with you. We want you to find Jesus. We want you to know who he is. We have a Bible, free Bible out in the lobby. You can see that on your way out. Someone to chat with, please let us know. You'll have this little connection card in the front of the front where the seats are, where you are right now. Just fill that out. Said, click on where it says, or check off where it says, I said yes to Jesus. We just want to walk with you. It's as simple as this is, you need to get into a place where you find God for yourself and begin to walk with him. So we're here for you today. Can I just pray for the rest of you all across this room today? Just, just please close your eyes just for another minute. God, I just pray for every individual in this place. God, you know the things that we're facing. You know the stressors. You know the pressure. You know the crazy time of this season that we get swept away in. Whether it's too much shopping, too much eating, too much of any, everything. God, may we focus and hear your voice. May we, may we come to a place of peace so that we don't compete with the noises of our day, but hear the voice of the Lord. God, we know you have a plan for us personally. We know you have a plan for humanity, a plan of hope. And I just pray for every individual in this place today. That is, if we give you our lives, we give you our best. God, that you would speak to us and allow us to hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet today? I'm just going to dismiss you. I'm going to just kind of give you, Gifty's going to give you a couple of announcements just before we leave so you know what's going on. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, 
head over to myjourney.church or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.